you could only be within six feet of someone else for 15 minutes. What the hell kind of shakedown is this? Welcome to Shakedown, which is our way of looking behind the scenes of film. I'm Julian Mitchell, founder of Definition Magazine. And I'm Larissa Mori, writer, editor and VFX specialist. Welcome to this uh, episode of Shakedown. I kind of felt like this one would be a really natural uh, additional episode after uh, the Shakedown podcast we actually did on The Crow. If uh, any of you who are listening haven't heard that uh, episode yet, I urge you to go back uh, to the episode on Cursed Films um, and listen to the entire podcast because yeah, we had a lot of fun with that one. Um, to give you a quick overview, uh, I'll just read out like this paragraph from the Cree Stories Facebook page. Basically, on The Crow, there was a lot of cost and corner cutting on set. Um, there were one crew member recalled they were trying to make a thirty million dollar movie for eighteen million dollars. Um, so you know, obviously there was yeah a lot of cost cutting, and then on top of that, uh, the producers got away with pay conditions and production schedules that would have been nuked by unionized Hollywood. Uh, you know, they began filming at night outdoors, and this just led to all manner of different things going wrong, which has led to The Crow being one of those films that everyone believes could be cursed. It kind of culminated in uh, the lead uh, in the film, Brandon Lee, who is Bruce Lee's son, being killed in a tragic accident. Uh, Because of the tragic death of Brandon Lee, the movie's responsible for changing gun safety standards in film. So that's, you know, that that actually a lot happened because of that film when it comes to safety standards. It's a shame that that had to happen for safety standards to be, um, you know, improved. Yeah. Absolutely. And I do think that is, yeah, as you say, it's absolutely a shame. And if you dig a little deeper, um, it it is, that's actually a very familiar story, like a tragic accident followed by tightening in Hollywood safety standards. I mean, looking back even before The Crow, uh, 30 years ago, Vic Morrow, who is the veteran star of the TV series Combat, was killed along with two child actors by a falling helicopter during the filming of The Twilight Zone. I mean, it's a very famous film, very, very famous TV series as well. You know, according to a Slate article on the incident, uh, the helicopter was flown by uh, Dorsey Wingo, who is an actual Vietnam veteran. Wingo. It's kind of airplane sort of sounding name, isn't it? Wingo. Yeah, Wingo. <laughs> Absolutely. So he's a very, very capable, um, you know, pilot mm. uh, at the controls of this helicopter. But he was very new to the movie business. So even during re- rehearsals, when the explosions, there were some like special effects explosions around his chopper, chopper and they scared him. But he swallowed his concerns because uh, the director... Uh, Landis had a reputation for being dictatorial on set Um, so actually because he was a bit frightened of the director and because he put this trust into everyone filming that they they knew what they were doing they were used to the business and he wasn't he just kind of he didn't really voice any concerns when 
um, baby he should have. But I also found it really interesting that like the crow, the accident happened in the early hours of the morning. Mm. It happened at around 2.30 a.m., which seems very early to be filming um, <laughs> any sequence, to be honest. Um, but basically yeah. what happened with was uh, when the cameras started rolling, these fireballs, these uh, special effects fireballs, engulfed Wingo's helicopter, uh, forcing him down into a river uh, where the actors also were. And as a hundred or so people looked on, uh, the aircraft crushed a six-year-old child actor, Renee. Oh, no. Yeah, who was a few feet from Morrow. Uh, the helicopter then toppled over and its main blade sliced through Morrow and a, a seven-year-old Micah. So, pretty grisly, yeah. <laughs> Pretty awful. And later, of course, it was found that the two child actors were hired in violation of California law, uh, which prohibits child actors from working at night or in proximity to explosions. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just compounded. These stories are, are just an increasing compounding of, of unlawfulness, isn't it? It's just, it's just awful. Absolutely. Mm. And uh, what I found what I found really funny from the research is that, you know, uh, Landis was actually acquitted of serious charges after this. And he went on to make Coming to America, you know, a huge hit. Um, so uh, the tragedy also came a footnote in, you know, the story of his life. So where does the blame lie with, with that? I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, does the blame lie in uh, a helicopter pilot who who was new to the game but and then realized he was perhaps out of his depth too late or it's difficult i i don't know if there was a court case that successfully um prosecuted anybody in that but it, it's 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 just you know it's it's a tragedy that has a never ending i mean obviously maybe there's some civil suits from the parents of the children i don't know but yeah absolutely mm. and i think um it's it's one of those things where like I mean I I do think maybe um, Dorsey Wingo great name uh, maybe he could have you know mentioned that he was concerned I mean he was absolutely an expert um, but I also think that yeah if you have a director that is screaming and clearly dictatorial then maybe you like you know I can understand feeling worried about saying anything and actually just putting trust in this director that very much seems like. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, I think I would blame more this culture of not being more open. You know, I think maybe on a film set, it, there should be, I guess, more of a moment where everyone is aware that if they feel like something is unsafe, they absolutely can say that and can voice their concerns and no one will blame them. Probably a, a machismo culture as well back then. As in, you know, we've been doing this. Just get on with it. Uh, I'm totally guessing at that, but you can you can believe that would be true of um, of those of those um, productions. Maybe I don't know. Perhaps that's a bit unfair, but it's a supposition on my part. But um, I bet there was some of that. Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, I mean, while this isn't like The Crow, where you know there's apparently loads of people snorting cocaine on set. You know, I, I, there was still clearly a lot wrong. I mean, just the fact that it was filming in the early hours of the morning to me says a lot. It's like clearly people are very tired. You know, mistakes are maybe more likely to happen. 
Maybe, yeah. No, all I was going to say is just thinking back then um, and how VFX has helped now with maybe creating that helicopter as a CGI asset, <laughs> even not having to use a real helicopter, um, maybe that kind of investment in CGI is, is seen as helping just, you know, for those standards. I don't know whether that I'm joining the dots a bit um, wrongly there, but um, I don't know. It depends on the budget of the movie. I mean, there's so many, there's so many movies now that are uh, comic-based movies. I mean, we're just having the new Suicide Squad this week being uh, be launched. Um, but maybe that VFX side is there is an issue there. There's a there's a it, it's a good issue, and as in less danger near actors. As as um, it's just an asset that comes in later. I mean, what do you think? I mean, is that am I am I wrongly sort of thinking that way? I I, I completely agree with you. To be honest, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, that's something that like I think not many people think about. But like, yeah, I can definitely. I mean, with this helicopter crash, for example, like maybe if this was a more modern production that had uh, VFX technology at the point where it is today, like. Yeah, this would have never happened because they wouldn't have needed the 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 real effects and the real helicopter. You know, maybe it would have all been done in VFX and nobody would have been harmed. Or on on the new lead lead screen volumes. You know, you have you actually have VFX live coming through a, the screen behind you. I mean, I mean, I've been amazed at some of the results. For those screens um in mandalorian and places like that i mean i don't even know whether we'll be able to tell if they are screens or not soon because they're so real and that's quite a nice thing like i don't think that's really said enough you know i think when you think about like the, these volumes you you think like oh you know it's amazing you can have like golden hour all day as a director and you know you can go to different scenes and have different like environments at the click of a button and there a lot has been said about those uh, you know benefits but i don't think enough has been said about the fact that yeah maybe it's actually much more safe as well yeah i mean obviously with covid around it's safer for actors but but that but that is but that's one thing but uh, yeah having having a helicopter flying above you at unrealistic heights I mean, you know, thank God that's all over, as long as it is. But there are directors now who want everything through the camera as much as possible through the camera. After this helicopter incident, uh, apparently Warner Bros. Um, vice president, uh, John Sylvia, was determined to tighten up the industry's approach to safety. And he actually organized a committee that created standards for every aspect of filmmaking, you know, from gunfire to aircraft to smoke pyrote pyrotechnics like everything uh, and all the unions and guilds were represented and this was a you know this was the beginning of uh, what was eventually collected into a group of standards called safety bulletins and the hollywood safety standards were implemented after this tragedy so actually that that was quite nice um, and Funnily enough, after the crew, they were there was a new bulletin that went out <laughs> that made it, you know, that kind of uh, added to these safety standards with uh, 
gun safety. So, you know, it's like they were basically reviewed and tightened after every other onset accident that happened afterwards. Um, so that that's quite interesting. That, like, you know, it's good that this horrible tragedy allowed Hollywood safety standards to be put into place, but also clearly they didn't work 100% because there were still loads and loads of accidents. Like, you know, what happened with Brandon Lee's death in The Crow and, you know, veter veteran pilot Art Shaw was killed when his camera plane uh, crashed during the filming of Top Gun. A stuntman, uh, Reed Randall, was killed in a helicopter crash on the set of Airwolf. You know, there's plenty of accidents on set. There's, there's so, so many. Uh, and, you know, it's great that the standards were reviewed and tightened after all these other onset accidents. But it just it's demoralizing to, you know, read that actually there's no cure for it. There's no fix. <laughs> no cure for it. Totally. I mean, it's it's unregulated in as much as studio films obviously are regulated, but anybody can make a film, can't they? And, and you're just re recreating um life so to do that you need it as realistic as possible when you and i could go out and make a film whenever we wanted but there's no regulation there's no you don't need a license let's go out at 2 30 a.m <laughs> with a <the> helicopter <laughs> with a couple guns <laughs> no. no i think i think after breakfast is much easier for me <laughs> a cup of tea first always Another couple of tidbits I found really interesting is uh, on the insurance side, uh, before the Twilight Zone, uh, uh, before the Twilight Zone, insurance companies didn't view the movie business as a source of profit um, because film sets were so unsafe. The likelihood of a payout was just too high. Um, and after the Twilight Zone, the industry's commitment to improving safety, along with increasing budgets, made Hollywood a better risk. So actually getting affordable rates to underwrite shoots became a basic part of the movie making business. So that's quite interesting as well. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that ironic, isn't it? The insurance companies only get interested when uh, they're not going to lose any money. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's normal, but um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it depends what your opinion is about insurance companies, but it's a business like any other. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's just, it's. I didn't realize that the Twilight Zone changed so much when it came to safety standards. And yeah, another funny tidbit, according to Wikipedia, uh, the Twilight Zone was actually also produced by Steven Spielberg, uh, and who, yeah, who reportedly was so disgusted he stopped being friends with Landis after. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's a bit of Spielberg PR going on there, but you can understand that because his his reputation is so much is is all very positive um and i'm sure his i mean his ideal of movie making uh his safety first must have been quite high up there you'd hope so um from even back then when he made his movies i think so yeah i think he was you know he he after this incident um he was very adamant that like nobody should feel like they can't voice concerns about safety on set and nobody should have to die uh, because of a film um you know he seemed you know very much like according to yeah wikipedia at least he seemed very much uh yeah someone that would would be disgusted by something like that happening i do remember talking to a a new director and he he said 
the moment you say action as a director, it's the most highly emotional state that you're ever going to be in because you have all those things that have to synchronize at that one point to recreate what you want to create. And obviously from a point of view, like a, a conversation piece inside a dining room or a, uh, a, a vastly, um, a huge army of people and effects uh, going on at the stroke of, you know, saying action, the, the, the pressure must be huge. I've never done it, but you can imagine, can't you, that people's people's attention might waver or it might be too much for some people. I'm not making excuses for it, but you can un- try to see what it's like from their point of view. No, I completely agree. And like, I guess there's a lot of, you know, yeah, like there's a lot of moving parts and it's, yeah, like I, I can understand that like, you can't always be across everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I completely get that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that that consoles the family members of those who died. No, but why is it always the weird films as well? I mean, Twilight Zone is known to be a kind of a Black Mirror type, screwy type kind of episodic. And and The Crow, as we all know, with The Crow, what happened in real life was what was happening in the story. And so, so you get this strange um, legacy that is still fresh i think i even saw a little bit of it in the news recently about harking back to that film so i mean you don't get this in mary poppins do you <laughs> yeah it's a bit weird but i'm not sure why it may be that curse thing is 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 laced with it a little bit more than we realize i mean i guess like the big question is is it enough i mean we were talking earlier about um you know like the uh, virtual production and how that and visual effects and how that's changing things when it comes to safety uh, on set Uh, but you know obviously accidents will still happen Um, and just last year you know according to an article from the LA Times VFX workers were still going into work last March in very closed conditions obviously in VFX you can't even have a window open it has to be dark so you know they they weren't very very safe and then obviously look at Tom Cruise's famous speech, would you call it a speech, rant, <laughs> last year about safety on set during COVID, filming Mission Impossible 7, you know, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because like in a way, I feel like the film industry reacted very, very quickly and it, you know, hats off all the post houses that went remote in, in what yeah. weeks, uh, that's amazing. You know, I'm I'm impressed with that, but also, you know, you do get some, I don't know, like some hints almost of there being unsafe conditions, which after all that's happened is is frustrating, you know, after all of these regulations that have been put up. Yeah, I was, I mean, I did a, I did a story about Steven Soderbergh's new uh, movie, No Sudden Moves, and Soderbergh made a film 10 years ago called Contagion, uh, about a possible pandemic from yeah 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 and it was the whole origin story of what we're going through really and so he he started no sudden moves um before covid and then they had to stop and then it went back they were filmed in detroit and he started um 
I don't think he started the workforce, but he was, he was involved with designing and writing the protocols for how to work uh, within within COVID because of his experience 10 years before researching epidemiology for contagion. Yeah, and so he, he, he did it for the industry, but he, he also thought about how those protocols could work for other industries or even education and and I believe he passed a lot of his findings on to whoever wanted to to hear about it and uh, he they didn't get any positive cases in that film at all they're all in their own bubbles and they all followed all the guidelines that he had helped instigate yeah so I do believe that you know in Hollywood as far as I can tell, they're pretty strict about that kind of thing, quite rightly, and 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 especially the studio movies um, who carry their own insurance mostly. But it's maybe it's those lower budget films where you can't afford a um, a COVID supervisor, maybe or an experienced one. Um, I'm just I'm just thinking of inevitably when there's less budget, less budget, it's going to be less experience. For that kind of thing? Apparently, according to The Atlantic, um, industry unions took four months to reach an agreement over sick leave and quarantine pay. Um, so it's interesting. There's still, you know, all these guidelines are being put in place, and that's amazing. And But they can still be hard to navigate. Um, and it does cost money. Um, so... I guess like one of the big famous things, especially like you say, like a film with a lower budget, it's all about making the most of that budget. And if you're going to spend a lot of money on, you know, a zone system and protective equipment and, you know, uh, frequent testing, it's going to massively eat into your budget. It's kind of what, what do you do then? You know, do you compromise safety? Must just go straight on the bottom line to have a, I mean, to... To have a bubble, I mean, an actor's bubble. I know that um, The Last Kingdom, which is a, a Netflix show, they had, when they shot the last series, they had a, a hotel for the actors. And then there was another hotel for the crew. And uh, there was massive organization into who was on set when. And, and obviously that amps up the whole organization but there must be a cost that ha- is, is accrued that goes straight on the bottom line i mean you can't do that kind of organization without it and especially when you have all those extras i know they they shot without any again without any positive cases and with all those extras that you get for that show it's quite impressive i have to say and and it shows that it can work but it doesn't take much. I remember talking to the DP and he said, you know, you see them come in, everybody does their job. And then he was talking about Line of Duty, which he shot. He said, then they leave at the end of the day. And most of the time you don't know where they go. So it's it's um, it's personal responsibility apart from anything else. So, mm, yeah. Absolutely. I, that's fantastic as well. Like it's, I am, I, you know, I am really impressed, you know, with these huge productions going on with nobody getting uh, ill. It is impressive, isn't it? Because we did at the very start of this, we wondered how, I remember talking to someone about 
um, like intimate scenes where they're going to use shop dummies <laughs> and stuff like that. And there'll be a lot of a lot of uh, kind of wistful looks and close ups and not any kind of intimate intimacy. And uh, and obviously that never happened because of rigid testing. But um, people were thinking of anything and everything that could could to help them with that kind of that kind of scene and just kind of romantic scenes generally. I know, and that was only last year. I mean, it's not as if it was years ago. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like if we when we started when we talk about like you know films shot in the eighties, it's so easy to be like, oh well, you know, um, that was the eighties now safety standards are different but you know when you think about last year it's it's much more recent <laughs> and there's less excuses i guess yeah i mean the rigid the rigid laws are there you i remember again line of duty um tim palmer telling me that you the the rules for him was you could only be within six feet of someone else for 15 minutes and the COVID super, because prime lenses had changed quite a lot by uh, the lens tech. And so they use zooms because that would stop someone else coming in, changing the lens and going out again. So there's kind of like, there are little bits of changes, well, quite a lot of changes, but um, yeah, what's the alternative? And, and um, I wonder when it's all over, what will happen? I mean, will it just go back to how it was? It probably will, but I don't know. Obviously, I hope there never is another pandemic. But the good thing is that those guidelines are now in place for anything like that that comes into our future. But so, do you feel like it is overall safer uh, as an industry? Yeah, I do. Well, from the people I've talked to, um, yeah, I think there's always going to be slip ups, but overall, um, I'd say it's safer for sure. I mean, the shows I've talked to have said they felt safer within their regime than anywhere else ironically you know i mean they were obviously surrounded by lots more people but because of the protocols which everybody followed it was a safe haven for them because you know you're at work so everybody's attention is on that and i mean if that's if that's a parallel story through most productions then you know that's great isn't it and I guess, you know, for anyone who finds themselves maybe working on a film where it feels like there's less budget and it's more stressful and the director is angry or for whatever reason, like I genuinely think if you see anything that looks off or looks unsafe, like you should never be afraid to speak out. Um, I, I think it's crazy that people would die because of a film. It's not, that's not right. That sounds so weird now, doesn't it? Although that's happened, as you mentioned, a few times. But it sounds it sounds like incredulous that that could happen now. Absolutely, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Man, cool. And on to the future. Like, hopefully, we'll soon get to the point where nobody even or very few people even get injured. And if they are, it's very minor injuries. You know, it shouldn't be any more dangerous than your typical office job ideally <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i mean to see some of these behind the scenes featurettes of i was just watching one for the, the justice league and i mean my god the, the stuff that goes on um for the actors uh but as you say safety is 
if it's anything that COVID's done, it's bring that to the fore even more. Um, you'd hope and uh, never go back. And it's interesting because with COVID, it suddenly became not safety, like when it comes to helicopters or guns, it's safety when it comes to something you can't even see. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Increased the paranoia even more. It really has, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, proud of our industry. and Yeah, we're proud. Here we are, we're proud. <laughs> so different to the last episode, we're like, we are going to criticize. <laughs> yeah, no. I know, I know, but that was just a little, a little um, pet hate that that I've. We need to get into pet hates next. <laughs> yeah, we need to, we need to revert. Here we are, proud, and now we need to go back. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast, and uh, here's to the next one. <laughs> here's the next one. <laughs> <laughs>